happy Memorial Day weekend. Give God a hand this Memorial Day. <laughs> Man, everybody that serves, we want to thank you. Um, we recognize your service, and, uh, and we're just so thankful for you. I actually had two grandpas that, that served in the military, and, um, and how many of you know our freedom is not free? Thank you, man. Our freedom is not free. Wave at me if you know our freedom is not free. Our freedom's not free. I mean, we have rights. Yes, we have problems in America. We have issues in America, but I'm here to tell you that we, uh, we're, we're not in Ukraine right now. Uh, we can serve God freely in America. There are places that if you declare that Jesus Christ is Lord in your life, they will actually kill you and your family. How many of you are thankful for the land of the free? And we have some major things to tackle, but we are getting there. We're moving forward, and I believe that's going to happen through the body of Christ. Do you believe that? And so I believe it's the body of Christ that brings unity. It's the body of Christ that brings freedom. And so when we come together with the capital C Church, not just individual participles, but we come together and say, listen, we are the focal point of the world because this is the bride of Christ. How many of you know that God takes his bride seriously? And so, man, we want to really see change. But they had people that laid their lives down and shed their blood so that we can be free. And so you have rights as American. As an American, you have rights not because of something you really did, but because of something somebody else paid for. Come on. Not because of what you did. You were born into it, but it's not because of what you did. It's because of what somebody else paid for. It sounds very similar to our relationship with God. You are made right with God. You have rights in God's kingdom. You have rights as a child of God. It's not because of what you did. It's not your pedigree. It's not your dedication. It's because Jesus shed his blood on the cross and made a way for us to go straight to our Father as we are, and the blood of Jesus covers us, cleanses us, and changes us. We did not pay for that. Jesus paid for that, and I'm here to tell you today, that's something to celebrate. Yeah, give God a hand if you want to. That's something to celebrate. We did not do this on our own. He paid a price. And so we've been in this series called The Power of Faith. Look at your neighbor and say, there is power in your faith. And so if you, this is actually the fifth segment. If you missed that, go to YouTube or go to our uh, webpage. We uh, have a link to YouTube. And so watch that, uh, subscribe to that so that you can get caught up if you missed anything. Um, but we're going to start with Romans 5, 1 through 2. And this is really a secondary consequence of what I just mentioned, that we have certain rights in God, certain rights in Jesus, and it's really our right believing that produces right behaving. God is not into behavioral modification. He's into heart transformation. When we believe right, and when we see right, we will ultimately do right. But we focus so much on the fruit of doing wrong or right, and we forget that it's not the fruit we need to take care of, it's the root. And a lot of times when we have the wrong perception of God or the wrong viewpoint of God, then sometimes we will see the wrong fruit in our life. But I'm here to tell you today that God is good and God is love. As a matter of fact, the Bible says, God is love. Can we say that 
together, God is love and God is good. God is good. David said, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. What if we really believed that and expected it? We might have an atmosphere that's actually attracting the blessing in our life. Surely, goodness and mercy, he's good. When Moses said, God, I want to get in the cleft of the rock and see who you are. When you pass by, I want to see your glory. Now, your glory actually means what you're all about. So Tiger Woods' glory would be golf. Michael Jordan's glory would be, right? And Moses said, God, I want to see your glory. I want to see what you're about. And he gets in the cleft of the rock, and God passes by, and he says, because I'm passing by and you're in the rock, you're going to see my goodness. So the goodness of God, goodness is actually an attribute of God, but we grow up not seeing God good. We grow up seeing God like, uh, uh, like uh, Little Mermaid, you know, the Triton guy. You do something wrong and he's going to zap you with his pitchfork, right? We grow up like, don't do something wrong because God might smack you. But how many of you know that we do have the fear of the Lord, but that's honoring God, that's honoring God. When you see how much he loves you and how good he is, then you begin to want to serve him. You begin, see, religion says, what can I give to get? But relationship says, I get to give because I see how good God is. Not because it's a religious duty or an obligation, like I got to check the box. You know, us Westerners, we like to check the box. I got to check the box on my, my, my prayer. Prayer is good. I got to check the box on my Bible reading. Bible reading is good. I got to check the box on coming to church. Coming to church is good, but you'll eventually die out if you're doing it to gain God's approval, but you'll stay strong knowing it, that you're doing it from the victory and approval that you already have. How many of you want to live in relationship, not religion? Yes. I'm glad that I wasn't forced to marry my wife or she wasn't forced to marry me, that it was a choice, and because of that love, I'm not obligated to go on a date night. I'm excited about date night, right? I'm excited about date night. I'm like, oh, no, you know, I'm married. I got to check the box. No, I'm ready for date night. When Thursday comes around, I'm like, date night is on. Come on, somebody. Even after three kids. And I think we're done. I think we're done. She keeps looking at me like, we're done. We're done. She keeps calling this thing a little procedure that I need to get. She keeps saying little. She's trying to brainwash me. She's saying little procedure. It's like a big procedure. You know what I'm saying? Let's move on. We're going to start in Romans 5, 1 through 2. It says, our faith in Jesus transfers God's righteousness to us. And now he declares us flawless. Is that good news? Because of our faith in Jesus, Jesus transfers God's righteousness to us. So we're made right with God because of what Jesus did. And now he declares us flawless in his eyes. I don't know about you, but that's good news to me. I'm declared flawless in God's eyes because of what Jesus did. This means we can now enjoy true and lasting peace with God, all because of what our Lord Jesus, the anointed one, has done for us. Our faith guarantees, say guarantees, us permanent access into this marvelous kindness that he has given us, a perfect relationship with God. 
What an incredible joy bursts from within us as we keep on celebrating, keep on celebrating. I don't know if y'all know, but today is Celebration Sunday, and we want to keep on celebrating our hope of experiencing God's glory. Today, I want to talk to you about this today, a faith that celebrates, a faith that celebrates. True faith produces joy, and the joy of the Lord is our strength. How many of you know we have enough religious people that look like they just got baptized in vinegar? That's not the joy of the Lord. There's something on there that's not right because uh, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And so we have a joy that the world does not have because of what God has done for us. And there's a portion of scripture that really reminds me of turning the atmosphere. It was a stiffy, like stark, like atmosphere it was heavy and and something happened this woman came into the room and changed the whole dynamic of the atmosphere because of her love for God and it's this this um, relationship that this woman had she the Bible says she was an adulterous woman and Jesus actually forgave her and Jesus is at this house with a bunch of religious people you know it's true that the Roman guards didn't put Jesus on the cross. It was religion that put Jesus on the cross. But Jesus still spent some time with religious people. He was there. There was a guy that actually got healed from leprosy, and he was there, and the room is kind of like, what can I get from Jesus? That was what the room is like. What can I get from Jesus? Like, he's our uh, spiritual Santa Claus, right? And they're sitting in the room, and this woman with a bad reputation, the Bible says in Luke 7 that she was considered a prostitute, bust in the middle of the party. And he, she goes straight to Jesus. She doesn't care what anybody thinks. Goes straight to Jesus. She was not invited, but she says, I'm coming in. She goes straight to Jesus. She falls at Jesus' feet. She opens a perfume bottle, the Bible says, that was worth one year's wages. That's a lot of perfume. That's some costly perfume. She opens this bottle. She pours it on Jesus' feet. She begins to weep and cry and worship God and wash Jesus' feet. And the religious people were like, if this guy really knew what kind of woman this was, you would not let her wash your feet. And Jesus says something that's remarkable. He says this. He says in Luke 7, 47, it says, she has been forgiven of all her many sins. This is why she has shown me such extravagant love. But those who assume they have very little to be forgiven will love me very little. Then Jesus said to the woman at his feet, all your sins are forgiven. And the, the dinner guests said among themselves, who is this who can even forgive sins? And then Jesus said to the woman, your faith in me has given you life. Now you may leave and walk in the ways of peace. Man. There was a room full of religious people that wanted to get from God because they thought that their forgiveness came from their works. But this woman began to barge into the house because she knew that she did not deserve forgiveness. And when you come to a point, religion says you have worked and you have earned it. Relationship says you've paid the price. I don't deserve it. But thank God you took on what I deserve so I get what you deserve. That is taking on the actual righteousness of Christ. And she says, I don't care what you say. I'm busting in the room and I'm worshiping God. 
I don't care what kind of money you have, what kind of pedigree you have, what you think, how much education you have. I have this one thing. I'm full of joy. I'm ready to celebrate my Jesus that paid the price that I could not pay. Man, who wants to, how many of you want to be like that woman that's like, Man, if it weren't for God. I'm looking around the room. If it weren't for God, some of you would be in jail. Some of you would be gone. Some of you would be addicted. Some of you would be under the bridge. But because of the grace of God, you're able to stand up. You're able to strengthen your knees and come to the house of God and give him praise and worship, which he deserves. Because you know, if it weren't for God, I would be far away. Yeah, give God a hand. And so... You know, it is this thing that when you fall in love, it's evident. When you fall in love, you know those people that when you were single, they fell in love, and now they're aggravating to you? They fell in love because it was evident. My parents said that uh, when I started dating Leah, it was evident. It wasn't like any other little girlfriends I had. It was like different, right? It was a different thing. I remember, well, first of all, I couldn't wait to introduce or bring Leah over to the house. How many of you know you're not very much in love if you're embarrassed who you're with? Like, uh, who are you dating? Uh, Leah. No, it's I'm dating Leah. You're not like, uh, I'm embarrassed about who I'm in love. When you're really in love, you are unashamed, right? I remember we were, uh, we were dating and it was a uh, Valentine's, right? And I was like, I'm, I, want you to, I want you to come over to the house, which I didn't do before. <laughs> I want you to come over to the house. I want you to meet. And I, I, I did this elaborate thing, right, on uh, thank, uh, not Thanksgiving, <laughs> Valentine's Day. And, uh, and I set up all these candles. And my dad was looking at me like, you got it bad. You got it really bad. I started setting up all these candles, right? And I like, I, I remember I had like the, the fireplace going, it was a little cool, and I set up a little, a little like, a little, you know, a little seating by the, you remember this? You better. And uh, <laughs> it was like a little seating by the fireplace, and, and that was the night I said the, the L word. That's the night, you don't just say the L word. The, it, was the, it was the night I was like, I love you. And not only that, I, I bought like this bracelet. She wears it every Valentine's Day now. I thought it was so expensive. I probably put it on, I was early 20, I probably put it on layaway or something. Uh, <laughs> I had this bracelet and I gave it to her and it was evident. My parents were like, you got it bad. There were these, the, there are some true evident things that you will see when you begin to really fall in love. And when you have faith in God and who he is, that, evident, that evidence becomes very real. And I want to talk about that. Three ways faith is celebrated. And we're really looking at Luke 7. Three ways faith is celebrated. If you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, write this down. You just got that. Number one, number one, this woman was unashamed. This woman was unashamed. When you fall in love, you are unashamed. How many of you are unashamed of Jesus? Man. When you're, say, when you don't really have a relationship with God, I know I got some blinking going on behind me, but can we give them a hand in the back? They're working hard. <laughs> They're actually setting up because during baptisms, we want y'all to be able to see it on this big screen. And, 
And sometimes um, uh, you know, technical things can just go whatever. But number one, unashamed. This woman bursts through the door. She interrupts. She begins to talk to Jesus. And I just believe that when you have a true faith in who God is, you become unashamed of who he is in your relationship with him. How many of you want to be an unashamed, unapologetic Christian? Matthew 10, 32 says this in New Living. It says, everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But everyone who denies me here on earth, I will also deny before my Father in heaven. There's really two different kind of ways that you acknowledge God here on earth. Can we talk about them really quick? The first one is this. Two major ways that you can acknowledge God. The first one is when you give your life to God, there is a way that God, something that God instituted called baptism. Say baptism. baptism. Now baptism, what baptism really is, baptism, let me give you three reasons why, why you need to get baptized. Number one, Jesus did it. Jesus did it. Jesus did it to show his commitment to God. If we're followers of Jesus, how many of you know it's important to get baptized? And so, so baptism is like putting a ring on it. Come on, somebody. It's like putting a ring on it. Put your money where your mouth is. It's a commitment. It's a commitment. It's saying, I'm unashamed of Jesus. I will literally stand before people, get in water, and say that my past is over, his grace is greater, my future is brighter. It is literally saying, I'm putting a ring on it. I'm not just trying out this Christian thing. I'm committing to this thing. He gave his life for me. Now I give my life to him. He's not just my Savior. He's also my Lord. Baptism is a way that we show our commitment to God. Now, I know there are some people, you know, well, I got, I got, you know, baptized when I was a baby. And listen, you know, we all have different ways to do it. But I do know this, you didn't know what you were doing when you did that. <laughs> you weren't like, I'm standing for Jesus as a toddler. You had to make your own decision, your own faith at a certain point in your life. And when you say, listen, I'm unashamed, I'm ready to get baptized. See, we do a lot of things like altar calls and things like that. But in Jesus' day, it was baptism that showed your commitment to God. So number one, we follow Jesus. Mark 16, 16. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. Now, do I believe if you don't get baptized, you're not saved? No, the, the, the sinner on the cross, Jesus said, I will see, see you in paradise. It is a next step for your faith. How many of you know you have next steps in a relationship? You know that the person likes you when like, you're like, you hang up. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. There's next steps. Then you get the courage of put the arm around the date. You know what I'm saying? You're like trying to yawn. And you get the courage finally to hold the hand. There are next steps. There are engagements. There is marriage. In the same way, Jesus says, I don't want you to have it all at once. You, you got it all, but I want you to take these steps. And one of the steps is baptism. How many of you know that's a commitment? I'm so excited about those that are getting baptized today because they're saying I'm never going back. See, baptism says, baptism demonstrates change. So what they would do in the in the early churches, what they would do, they would actually put a white robe on, they would put old tattered clothes on top of that, 
And what they would do is go into the river and they would go under the river and when they go down, they would take those old clothes off and they would go down the river and they would come up with this white garment on. How many of you know that's what it's like when you give your life to God? God begins to take you and the old is over. Your past is over. Look at your neighbor and say your past is over. And that's what baptism, it looks like. It's, it's when you're saying I'm, all my sins are underneath. Not that you will never have struggles, but I know that my past is over. I'm a new creation in God. The second thing, if you really want to be unashamed, the second thing is how many of you know it's important that we are unashamed about our testimony? We're unashamed about our testimony. This is something that we try to be politically correct. I'm not saying that you need to be a weirdo, but I am saying when you begin to stand up for God, there's something powerful about that. Like, what is it about your life? Well, to be honest, I was this way, and now I'm this way because I have a relationship with Jesus. That takes some boldness to do, but how many of you don't want a spouse that is ashamed about their marriage? You want a spouse that is proud about the marriage. In the same, we have had unity with God, and there is something about sharing your testimony. There was a guy that was blind at this point, and Jesus was with his disciples, and his disciples asked, why is this man blind? And Jesus says something profound. He's blind so that the power of God can be shown in his life. You might be wondering why you deal with a lot of things. You deal with some things because God wants to be strong in your weakness. And a lot of times you deal with things and you beat yourself up about it and God's looking at you and saying, yeah, I know, I know I formed you, I created you, but I'm about to give you some strength in your weakness because if it was all about you being strong, I wouldn't get the glory. And so he looks at this man and he says, listen, he's like this because the power of God is going to be shown in his life. He takes this guy away, heals him, he becomes a person that can see, people cannot believe it. All the religious rulers are asking, what happened to you? And there is a truth. When you give your life to God, people will say, what happened to you? You don't curse your boss out anymore. What happened to you? You don't punch walls anymore. Well, maybe you do. You're still needing freedom class. But what happened to you and these religious rulers wanted to get theology see you don't need to know theology you don't need to know everything about the bible he says i don't know about this i don't know about all this but one thing i know i was blind and now i see you don't have to know everything but you know this i was once one way and now i'm another and i'm telling you we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony there's something powerful when you share your testimony you know statistics say only five percent of christians share their belief in jesus but we have to know that baptism and testimony is a big deal in a lot of places it's a big deal there, there's something called the China underground movement, like, and if you get caught being a believer, they'll kill you. There was a story not too long ago, this man, there was a gathering, and they have gatherings in China and underground, uh, thousands of people, and there was a gathering, and they had a man that stood up with a military suit on and said, okay, I'm giving you an option. All of you that believe in God and confess Jesus, you stay in this room, and you're going to die. And everybody that does not believe in Jesus, you can go ahead and go out the room. The people that went out the room, they closed the doors. The guy took off his suit, 
took off his military outfit and said, now I know who the real Christians are. Let's have church. Because when you give your life to God, it's not just saying, hey, this is a good idea. It's a commitment, and I stand for you, Jesus. And if that is too much to bear, then I want to ask you, have you really seen what he's done for you? Because he's died and given everything for us. The little bit that we can do does not compare to dying on the cross for our sins. How many of you want to be a people that are passionate about God? that are unapologetic when it comes to Jesus. You're like, this is too heavy. I'm sorry, it's Christianity. And so I want to challenge you. Will you share your faith? Will you tell your friend, I don't know, I, don't, I might not have it all together, but I know the one that does. Yeah. See, you're not pointing at you, you're pointing at him. Yeah. As te- people that give testimonies, you're not saying, look at what all I, no, you're, you're a pointer. You're a pointer. I don't have it all together, but I find joy in him. I find peace in him. I find freedom in him. If it weren't for him, I would be far away. The second thing, the second thing, I love that this woman comes in the room and she expresses her love. I mean, she is unapologetic. She, express, she is crying. She is worshiping God. She's expressive. How many of you want to be in a relationship that's expressive? Now, woman, you know I love you. I'll provide for you, don't I? You know I love you. You don't want that. You want somebody that expresses their love towards you. When you love someone, you have to learn how to express it. Look at your neighbor and say, you got to express it. Number two, expressive. Psalms 103, 1 through 5. With my whole heart, with my whole life, And with my innermost being, I will bow in wonder and love before you. This is is, uh, David speaking, the holy God. You are my soul's celebration. How, How many of you want to make Jesus your soul's celebration? With my whole heart, with my whole life, with my whole innermost being, I bow in wonder. Now, this is someone that's not soft. This is the same God that knocked Goliath down and cut off his head. You might think it's soft to worship God, but it's one of the most bold things you can do when you're in love. He goes on and says, I will never forget the miracles of kindness you've done for me. How many wave at me if God's done something for you? You've kissed my heart with forgiveness in spite of all that I've done. You've healed me inside and out from every disease. You've rescued me from hell and saved my life. You've crowned me with love and mercy. You satisfy my heart with every desire and good things. You've supercharged my life so that I can soar again and fly in eagles like an eagles in the sky. David was an unapologetic worshiper. So in love. When you're in love, you don't care how you, what you look like. Ask one of these little mother, look, ask Angel, one of the sweetest people you ever meet. You mess with, you mess with her kids and it's like, <laughs> it is another person under there. Not demon possessed, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> she, don't, she will not care what you think. She will go after her babies. Because love expresses Love, it doesn't think, it just goes after. And so David said, this is what I want my heart. Soul, God is my soul celebration. How many of you want God to be your soul celebration? And people think, "Well, well, why do you come in here and you praise and you give thanksgiving and you shout? It's because when you're in love, you can't help it. 
I've seen y'all in the stadium at the, at the Saints game. Y'all are crazy. <laughs> y'all are wild. I've seen you. I've seen you at Mardi Gras. You will shout. You will scream. You will whatever. But how many of you know it is an expression that we have to give God? Psalms 47, 1 through 2. Did you know that God inhabits the praises of his people? Think of a habitat. What does it mean to have a habitat? Like when you have a habit, you make something your home, a habitat. The Bible says when you begin to praise, he begins to make a habitat. Now, you can praise on your own, and that's amazing. I recommend doing it every single day, thanksgiving and praise. But there's something special when you come together in a gathering and you praise together. There's a habitation that, that takes place. God begins to do something that you can't do on your own. And this is what Psalms 47, 1 through 2, this is what David said. Come on, everyone, clap your hands. Why are y'all clapping your hands over at Church 54? Because we've seen the goodness of God. Shout to God with a joyful praise. Wait, how come y'all expressing how much you love God? Because we're really in love. It says, for the Lord most high is awesome. He is the great king of all the earth. Why are y'all shouting? Because uh, I'm happy? Well, you're weird. Well, you're weird. <laughs> you're unashamed. So when you hear a shout, don't be uh, surprised because God's still in the business of healing cancer. God's still in the business of restoring relationships. God's still in the business of making dead things alive. And when people have experienced it, they can't help but shout. They can't help but praise. They can't help but thank God because God is so good. How can you not? And so he says, he says, in Psalms 150, he says, praise the Lord in the sanctuary. It says, praise him for all his mighty works. Praise him for his greatness. Praise him with a ram's horn. I don't have one today. Praise him with a harp. I don't have one of those either. Praise him with a tambourine. I think we can find one. And dancing. Praise him with a string. And flutes, praise him with cymbals. That's why Jared's on the drums. Praise him with loud clanging cymbals. Thank you, Jared. Let everything that has breath sing and praises the Lord. Praise the Lord. How many of you want to be just expressive when it comes to God? David said, I'm going to praise you. I'm going to praise you with everything. I don't care how it looks. I don't care how that sounds. Well, people say, you know, well, I really like my faith to be private. I understand the Bible says go in the back room and pray, but there's nowhere in the Bible that says to make your faith just private. In the Bible, it says make your faith loud. How many of you want to have some loud faith? Come on, Church 54. How many of you want to fall so in love with God, you have some loud faith? We don't live in a city that's quiet. So then why is the church quiet? We live in a city that's unapologetic. People come all around and say, what you're so excited about? I don't know. But we're a festive city. How many of you know that the church has to supersede what the world sees as festive, but we begin to tell ourselves, oh, my soul, I will rejoice. Oh, my soul, I will praise God. Is he worth it? Yes. He's worth it. I encourage you to take the step. I remember when I first gave my life to God, my hands were like this. The Lord says, lift your hands. I'll be like this. Be like, I hope nobody sees me, and I hope I'm in a dark spot. And then I remember I started getting in, like, worship, and I started feeling his love, and I was like this. You know, like, 
sure, unsure, you know, the deodorant? Okay, moving on. <laughs> I remember getting the presence of God. I remember him speaking to my heart and like feeling God and man, getting free. And before you know it, being in the presence of God, feeling him and having people worship all around, you felt his presence. Because when Jesus shed his blood, he tore the veil so where his presence can be on earth as it is in heaven. I remember feeling so free. I didn't care what anybody thought. I began to just lift my hands and say, God, I want all of you. Take the world and give me you because you have something that the world cannot that does not have. You have peace that the world does not have. You have joy that the world does not have. You have right standing that the world does not have. I am unapologetic. I will lift my hands. I will be the guy that stands up in my seat. I will even run if I got to because the joy of the Lord is my strength. Will you make a joyful noise? I want to encourage you to begin to make a joyful noise. Give God glory. So when you're unashamed, y'all okay today? Yeah. Miriam, why don't you come up so everybody thinks I'm about to close. Number one, you're unashamed. Number two, you're expressive. You're expressive. How many of you know that we need to be expressive about what God's done in our life? Man, how did you get that job? How did you get that spouse? What God's done in your life. Did you know when you're faithful, when God's done a little thing in your life, and when you're faithful to express it, he'll make sure that you get a bigger miracle in your life? When the little things that God does, you begin to believe as God is just not happenstance, and you begin to come into faith, and you share what God has done, he'll say, he's faithful with the small things. I'm going to make him roller over much. I'm about to overwhelm him with some miracles. That's why we have crews. It's not just to be fed. It's for you to be able to share what God's doing in your life. Because when you begin to share what God's doing in your life, he'll begin to do more in your life. So crews are not just for, for, for the group or just to, to receive. It's something about when you're like, man, I, I, there's something about this morning. I felt heavy, and I started praising God, and I, and, and I began to worship, and I started to feel free, and I got to work, and my boss saw me, and I was able to encourage his heart, and then out of nowhere, I gave somebody something, and out of nowhere, I got a promotion. I know that I work hard, but many people work hard. I know that I might do my best, but many people do their, my, their best. Their something that God is doing in my life and when you begin to share it God will begin to say yep that's his faith he believes it now let me overcome him let me overcome her let me shower her with more I'm here to tell you we need to be a people that expresses our love to towards God you need to be that aggravating person like God is so good number three It's made me think of the Thomas family over here. I keep looking at the Thomas family. I'm, I talk. They're family. I was thinking about, uh, I was thinking about Miss Cindy. She's, all, she's always got perfume. <laughs> she works, she's in the perfume business. She comes around, the whole, the whole place smells different, right? I thought about this, this lady that gave all that she had. It was so sacrificial. It was so sacrificial. She was saying, God, you saved me. What can I give? John 3, 16, we all know this. For this is how God loved the world that he, God so loved the world that he, so your giving is connected to your love. God so loved that he, our giving is connected 
to our love. See, when she poured this alabaster glass or jar in there, there were people in the room, even the disciples, that said, man, this is so wasteful. And really it was greed in their heart. They wanted a piece of it. They said it was so wasteful. And a lot of times what's wasteful to other people is worship to us. Your family might not understand why you go to the house of God. Your family might not understand why you keep running after Jesus. But God has done something so great in your life. How can you turn away? How, how could you not say you gave me everything? What do you want from me? A little backstory of this lady that comes into the room. A little backstory was in that day, they lived under something called the law. So if you broke the law, you would get cursed. This lady was caught in the very act of adultery. And they drug her out, religious rulers. Now I want to remind you that Jesus came on the earth to represent the Father, to show us what the Father is like. And they drug her out in the middle of the street and said, the law of Moses says that if you've committed adultery, you deserve to be stoned to death. And they looked at Jesus and they said, what do you say? I love Jesus. Because he walks in the middle of this adulterous woman in this religious group that wants to stone her, and he just begins to doodle on the ground, like saying to her, don't worry about them, look at me. Look at me. See, we know the first part of John 3.16, but we never read the second part, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever may believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life, that he did not come into the world to condemn the world, but he came into the world that you might have everlasting life. He gets in the middle between the Pharisees and this woman in adultery, and he looks at the Pharisees and says, those without sin, you cast the first stone. And they all begin to drop their rocks because God knows we have all fallen short of the glory of God. We all need you. No matter how, what you've done, we all need who he is. And the Bible says that they all drop their rocks. I'm, I want to encourage you today, when you give your life to Jesus, don't let the enemy accuse you anymore. The Bible says that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. You, be, you need to begin to testify that my past is over, that the blood of Jesus has set me free. And they all dropped their rocks and left. I believe today that some of you are making a decision to put your eyes on God and accusation is over in your life. Condemnation is over in your life. You're not saying, oh God, I didn't do enough. You're about to punish me. You're not living like that anymore. You're saying, oh God, you love me. Surely goodness and mercy will follow. And looks at this woman, and this woman's life was literally saved, looks at her and says, where are your accusers? She said, Lord, there's none. He said, neither will I accuse you. Go and sin no more. And you wonder why she bust open a door and begin to give her best and begin to cry at his feet and begin to worship because she really realized that Jesus laid his life down for her. If it wasn't for Jesus, where would she be? And let me ask you today, if it weren't for Jesus, where would you be? Does he deserve for you to be unashamed? Does he deserve for you to express? Does he deserve sacrificial praise? Yes, he deserves it because he took on the curse for us that we might have the blessing in our life. If you're excited about that, can you give God a hand? Come on, give God a shout if you believe that today.